0: you welcome to the Today Dreamer podcast where I, Michael, your host, invite guests on to explore conversational space in order to develop our practice of presence integrating dreaming and doing into being in order to participate in the blossoming of the emergent world story. Today's guest is Shiv Charan Singh, I'm going to give you a bit of information just running through his bio here online and then we're going to dive into things. You can skip through to any part of the conversation if you're watching or engaging on YouTube and if you're listening to the audio only version, you know, feel free to take it out in chunks if you... You know, if you don't have the time to listen to it all at once, because the things that Shiv Charan Singh shares in this conversation, I feel uh, really potent and profound and worth engaging with and even listening back over if you feel the need. So, an unassuming and authentic spiritual teacher, Shiv Charan Singh is Scottish by birth. And is the Founding Director of the International Karam Kriya School. Karam Kriya means total action through which our karma is brought to completion, through application of spiritual consciousness guided by the intelligence of numbers. Through the philosophy and practice of Karam Kriya, Shiv Charan Singh is deeply committed to guiding students in their spiritual growth so that they can bring spiritual awareness into their everyday lives and develop their full potential as human beings, to become the best they can be. In his youth, he had a number of nearly fatal incidences. These near-death experiences gave him an intimate knowledge of the process of living and dying that we all seek to understand, and as an adolescent, he experienced full kundalini rising, a term used to describe profound spiritual awakening. And Since his mid-twenties, he began studying kundalini yoga and Sikh dharma with Siri Singh, Sahib Bal, Sahib Harbhajan, Singh Khalsa, the religious leader and founder of Sikh Dharma in the West. Following a degree in humanities and further training in counselling and therapeutic skills, Shiv Charan Singh went on to become an outstanding spiritual counsellor, working intensively and successfully with people having drug habits and severe emotional problems. He continues to offer profoundly transformative individual and couples counselling and has been working internationally with groups for over 30 years. He's author of several books and he continues to develop and evolve the spiritual science of Karam Kriya. Neither self-seeking nor political in his teachings, he is entertaining and both charismatic and humble in the way he speaks. Above all, his warmth and compassion have generated a community spirit at the school which reaches out to the community regardless of age and background and attracts people from all over the world. I originally heard about Shivcharan Singh's work, through uh, the life, as a festival podcast, as I was driving into the forest one day, and yeah, it was profoundly powerful to hear such truth. <laughs> so I just felt immediately like I needed to, or that I, that, I, that I felt compelled to reach out and get in touch. So I did, and we had a conversation. And I'm still finding it very useful, this conversation myself in my life. So the conversation dances around habits and then we explore anchoring in. Anchoring in, yeah, or finding or tapping into our inner anchor and put it that way. So yeah, let's get into this conversation. Uh, Before we do move into things though, I'd like to invite you to have a breath with us. As we always do on the show, a moment of pause, a moment of stillness amongst the chaos of our lives, and drop into kind of a shared space a little bit deeper together now before moving into the conversation. So, I'd just like to invite you to find a comfortable position. It can be wherever you are at the moment, or you can find a a seat on the floor or on a chair. You can even lay down if it feels right. And When you're ready, bring your eyelids to a gentle close. Take one big inhale in and exhale out. Into the nose, deep into the belly. And release. Now let's do that again, but this time... See if you can make your inhale as slow as naturally possible. Whenever it is that you reach the peak, take your time with it and just pause there for a moment. Feel into that space before exhaling just as gracefully on the way out. Pausing at the bottom.
1: just saying i might find as much wisdom listening to my neighbor as i might listen to somebody who's got some big cv or, or a track record or something so um, so i i don't need to especially announce something about me especially but we're here the circumstances have come together for this convening of our conversation and i trust that moment and what is to be shared is to be shared so, if I understood right, you're asking about traps on, on the way. Really, pretty, it is indeed a big question to start with. Um, and perhaps if we think about what the challenges are, uh, then we can also see what the traps are. If we think about what, what are we trying to achieve, then uh, we might also think of the traps context of that. So it needs a little bit of a context in order to make sense. Because if uh if my idea is simply to survive, well there's not too many traps really. And you know, you're gonna survive as long as you survive. When the breath runs out, it runs out, that's it. Then who cares about traps? You may have lived a good quality life, low quality life, whatever, but your objective was just to survive as long as you could. Then who cares about traps? So this is interesting, actually, because if you think even to have an objective can already start to become a trap. You know? So uh, the traps come in very, very quickly. The minute we set a target, uh, how much do I have the the idea that I can achieve? Rather than I set this goal, and this is definitely going to happen, because I said it's going to happen, then I'm already in quite a big delusion because I have no idea all the forces that I will have to cross on the way, and whether I will be met with support, you know, whether it's the climate, whether it's the the stars and the heavens, whether it's the people around me, you know, many obstacles come on the way, my own health kind of interrupted so um just even having having a target is potentially i'm not saying it is but potentially already set up for a lot of traps so i'm, I'm curious about why you would think about traps in fact I know, i'm not anti this topic not a problem um, why why that stands out for you
0: that's a good question. I, I suppose certain things you've mentioned and, I, and I'm just remember feeling this way I don't really remember the specifics off the top of my head right now but you've mentioned a few kind of traps in some of your spe- speeches and talks and videos and and I remember recognizing those at some point and I also feel like there's probably some that I don't see, and that maybe you know you may have come across whether in on your own path, probably on your own path first, and then you may have seen it in within other people's journeys. Just thought it would be an interesting kind of topic to go into and see what we could uncover, and maybe there would be something to help other people avoid. Um, Unless, and- um,
1: let's let's add one thing here sometimes even you see the blind spot in another person before you see it in yourself
0: that's well. interesting yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 or that that recognition of the blind spot in another person brings yeah. awareness towards it for you
1: if you're willing to if you're willing if you're prepared to look at yourself if you're trying to take to take to reality check you know this this is a chap in itself also to how quickly we can see in others the problems, you know, or where they're blind or where they're, um, yeah, just ignoring something or, uh, chasing a dream. It's not really going to happen. And any, anything at all, you might see. But how we prefer to take a look at ourselves, how quick we are to put the judgment on the other. Or we go the other way around, you can even be obsessed by always looking at error yourself, always looking at fault, always assuming the worst about yourself, always putting yourself down. It's um, shaming yourself in some way. So it, it becomes like a substitute for humility, for like false humility. Um, I'm going to keep this topic... Keep it as one of the threads through our conversation. It's not that I come into this room here with a, okay, I've got this list of traps that I'm ready to tell everybody about.
0: Yeah, that's why I felt strange about asking it, but.
1: um, I fully appreciate the topic. It's definitely relevant. So I'm going to hold on to that thread and things will jump out along the way for that conversation. And I appreciate the orientation that you're bringing. So. But it's not something that I can just, okay, this. It, yeah,
0: yeah, of course. That makes sense. So, just with where you were going with that, you were kind of mentioning the ability to, you know, or the possibility of maybe over focusing outwards or inwards and not having a balance or not having the right amount of both or, or, or you know, leaning too much in one direction rather than.
1: It's worth checking. What we want to achieve. Yeah. When, when I'm evaluating the situation, what's my measure for that evaluation? And, and am I evaluating according to a certain target or objective? And why do I want to be busy with that? And just putting that there also is not, is not something to, to go deep into at this point, but we have to evaluate along the way. Yeah. yeah, let's leave
0: that whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I had some more questions around um, self inquiry and, and around noticing um, habits. So, both around breaking habits that you do notice and that are just, you know, kind of difficult to, to break through. You know, it's this continual process and seems to get easier as you go but i just wanted to see if you had any thoughts or wisdom to share on that topic and um also so that the conscious habits and the unconscious ones I, I was hoping to explore finding the ones that we're not so aware of and and having some reflection on those you know you, do, you already mentioned you know looking at others as a sense of a, as a mirror in a sense but maybe there's some other ways we can accept
1: that i'm a creature of habit yeah and we come to terms with that really. You know? and the, here's an example just now using the social media if you you think that you're conscious of everything you're doing yeah and then you see yourself on camera and then you think oh what do i look at that look at that what do i do that and then you turn to do i do it? oh yes you do You know, you don't recognize there's so many micro habits that we have here. Never mind. There's big habits that we know, okay, I really need to stop having three coffees first thing in the morning, whatever it is. I know it's not good for me, but I can't help it. There's some very obvious habits we have that we, something in our own conscience that tells us we need to do something about that. That's one thing. We will come back on that in a moment. But first of all, we just have to acknowledge. And the creature habit, and there's a micro habits, and there's major habits. Habit implies something that's routine as well. It tends to be cyclic, coming around. So that gives us an insight already. Like if I can see the cycle of it, then the question is, if I do want to change it, where can I intervene? Where's a point that you can cut into it? Because there are many points that you might try to cut into, it just doesn't work the habit is already in such a flow like a snowball effect or something like that there's a momentum in it that it's not going to work to come at that point and interrupt the habit the force of the habit is stronger than the effort to interrupt it another thing is that the habit has power so it will talking about a charge right it has energy in it. so if i am not invested My life force, my energy, my power into other things, then there's like a default. So the habit is also something that becomes automatic. It's not, um, I'm not in a way doing the habit, sooner or later, the habit is doing me. It's like I become a slave to that habit, I'm subjected to that. It seems like I'm doing it again, but in another way, it's it's when it's built up a certain momentum and. And thus it really has its own perpetuality. It's a self-perpetuating, self-reproducing mechanism and is drawing fuel from me, from my life, energy. So this gives us a few tips. If we just see how habit works, you know, breaking it down and deconstructing the basic idea of habit. In a way you can just pose a number of what am I doing it for? What do I achieve from it? How does it happen? What do I achieve? What do I avoid through it? And just deconstructing through putting a lot of questions on it, but then you have to be willing to be quite brutally honest with yourself. When does it happen? What am I feeling before the habit starts? What do I feel during it? What do I feel after it? Who is doing the habit? Is it me as a lover? Is it me as a father? Is it me as a, the habits I have as a teacher and the habits I have a, as somebody's friend? It, it, what role am I in when I'm in the habit? So being willing to kind of really x-ray the habit of mine, um, That that's not going to resolve the whole thing. It's going to bring consciousness. And consciousness is already a big factor oh, I did that, I didn't realize it. oh, oh, I never, what, what I mean here by asking questions, yeah, but, oh, I never thought of that question before. I never, I never put that question to the habit. So been willing to ask myself different questions, and you know, that are unusual questions, by like coming in from an angle, and that takes training in you know, other. And if you can learn to train yourself to come in from many different angles to a situation, then you're going to get insight that you didn't have before, and then consciousness is the beginning. It's another guarantee, yet. it's the beginning of change. Now that I'm aware of, now that I have an insight into the situation that I didn't have before, I have more motivation to do something about it. It, it moves something in me that the kaleidoscope that I have on it has moved, and, I, and I'm getting an insight somewhere that. Haven't so consciousness already is quite a factor in making the change. Another thing is uh, an expression we use is about needing an alternative because if I don't have something else to do with my life energy, with my time, with my, uh, occupy myself. I use an expression hey, if, I'm, if I'm occupied, I can't be preoccupied. A lot of our semi-conscious or subconscious habits the automatic ones let's say they are like a background preoccupation background worry background needs background programming that's going on that i'm not so aware of because i'm not consciously passionately occupied for some parts if you have a habit to um it might be just to eat sweeties every hour. I know your little packet in your pocket, and you keep this kind of leveling away. Let's say, okay. But actually, engaged in a really interesting process with a couple of people on a journey through the mountains. Actually, three hours have passed, and you didn't once take the sweep. Just a very elementary example of it. I was occupied. I was so distracted. My attention was so involved and absorbed that actually the habit didn't go on, so I need engagement in something, isn't there something more interesting, more important, more valuable, has more meaning, and if so, and if it really is so, you you would be doing it. Or you say it is so, but why are you not doing it? Yeah, yeah, I'd really like to do that, I wish I could do that more, then why don't you? Actually, the vitality is not there. How much you really want it? Or you don't have the discipline. Consciousness in a way has like everything, right? Coin has two sides. There's a side of which is just soft and the sense of oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You know, but you're not, it's not changing. So isn't it? Many times people say that, I know, but yeah. You know. So there's a soft side to tending to be more passive. And the other side has to be a bit warrior like in right? a way. Oh, it is there. Therefore, and like you have to initiate yourself, you have to kick yourself up the backside in a way you have to come on. Because if you don't, nothing is gonna do it for you. No angels are gonna come from heaven, no nobody's gonna come and take your hand and whatever, you have to be the one to kick you out of that habit and into this other momentum, other formation. I'm a creature of so don't make that long. We make a distinction because of karmic habit. It's just a, a chain of action, 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 action that goes on itself. And I'm a slave to it. In other words, addict comes from dictate. Yeah, I'm dictated by the habit. I'm a servant to the habit. And, and dharma is, is meaning it's a life of habit, but a habit that I choose consciously and that serves me. The Buddhists say that Dharma is the great vehicle. So the, the habits that I choose are actually very conscious, and they're not easy habits, actually. The have we can put it in several ways. Um, to get up early in the morning. When it's cozy, it's cold outside, get up and take a cold shower, rather than just nice, a nice little splash your face, splash your teeth, whatever. I should stand in a cold shower. Some people love it but most people don't are not going to find it easy so setting up habits that actually require each time a little bit of investment a little bit of a extra push in a way to get into that habit um the habit not to just go along with the crowd when everybody's just socially drinking but drinking sooner or later becomes an addiction you know and the habit to say oh thank you without judgment without making other people wrong without saying Whatever evil was and it's just not for me thank you when all the social forces around you are calling on you oh come on just do like we do whether it's drinking whether it's fighting late at night whatever it might be that you know the next day like oh what did i do for myself but you couldn't help it well i was just going along with the crowd there are so many ways we're subjected to social forces whether it's coming through the media whether it's coming through you know, the gang we hang out with, whatever. We're just we're just subjected to so many forces and we don't know how to kick out of it. So it does need some kind of like you have to slap yourself in the face in a way. So that's what I mean, the warrior side of I'm aware. And you know, it's like that that moment of hello, wake up. You're gonna do something about it or not well, I don't know how, actually that's not true.
0: It seems to be a, a weird balancing act within that as well of of almost not taking on too much, but then taking on the right amount to actually be making some kind of a progress and then being okay with it not happening overnight. Um,
1: Absolutely, because one thing that stops us also from changing the habit, or two things jump don't to, to my mind straight away, is um shaming it feeling guilty about it judging myself for it um not that that's that's actually a trap in itself okay consciousness of something and then feeling responsible you know oh it's my responsibility oh it's all my fault is it that's that's not the meaning of i'm responsible i'm responsible to make the change don't wait for anybody if I need help, okay, but I'm responsible to ask for the help, not to sit and wait for it. So, getting out of guilt, and it is recognize that is the case, that's all, I have this habit. Recognize that it's not any longer producing the highest quality of life I could have. That life could have a better quality for myself, and it's time to move on. Recognize that... what. Most of our habits are actually born out of innocence or naivety or ignorance. It's not that I had some evil intention to set up this habit. So why I should put shame and guilt on myself? I do something that tranquilizes me. Calming myself down is not a crime. But the ways that I do it may not be healthy. I do something to stimulate myself. You know, that's what we do. Sedate, stimulate, sedate, stimulate. Stimulation is not a crime Having getting a little kick, come on I need a new little kick, a little energy. But the ways that I do it may not be healthy for the ecosystem of my mind, body, hormonal, emotional self. So, so I can upgrade the ways that I do that. But if I make the whole package and I'm shamed about doing this thing, that also implies, let's say, anethasizing myself. There's emotional pain from life, traumas, betrayals, wounds we have, mental, emotional, physical, and so I anesthetize. Wanting to be pain-free is not a crime. We teach our children to do things which give them pleasure and don't give them pain. So I grow up with the idea of seek pleasure and avoid pain. Of course, what happens later in life is I'm avoiding pain that may be pain that I need to face that I need to process, that I need to breathe through it. Nobody told me that there'll be a day when I'm going to have to flip that over and deal with the pain. So, but but avoiding pain is also quite healthy and natural, to a point, like you said, about balance, yeah? So don't make that wrong, to not want to feel pain. So what's behind, what's deep inside a habit? These are not criminal events, they're not criminal intentions, but the way that I'm living them. What used to serve me, I need to protect myself from forces of people around me, people's judgments, people in my whatever. So people get very protective and defensive. But actually, that they're burying their own life, they're burying their own being, to because they feel vulnerable, so they become defensive and protective sooner or later they're suffocating you it's now a prison what was a defense has become oppressive on you can you it's time to open that up so somewhere through the middle of the life we have to go through a pretty big inversion that all what we thought we knew and all the habits that we have are actually becoming detrimental and life is not what we thought it was and i'm not who i think i am and the whole thing has to turn inside out that's pretty big and a lot of people just can't go there. The times we live in are pushing us to a much more collective journey of that that we collectively need to go through this emotion turn the world upside down, turn the whole understanding inside.
0: Yeah <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on the habits that we can't see? The ones like, I don't know, I'll give you an example. Um, I recently came across the thought that like watching a a movie, for example, or reading like a, a fiction book was almost like living someone else's life and going through the emotions on this kind of, on this, you know, half of the emotions, it wasn't really my life, it wasn't really me feeling it when I was sad when someone died, it wasn't the true sadness I would feel if someone that I knew had died, But and that was almost numbing me, but I'd never had thought about that in the past in terms of watching a movie, I always thought there, was, there would be nothing wrong with watching a movie, everyone else watches movies, it's a movie, and it's almost like a normal thing to do. So that's just one example of, of one habit that I've noticed. Maybe maybe not a habit. Maybe it is a habit, but it's just something that I do that you know, maybe I don't want to spend so much time doing anymore. But I think a lot of the time...
1: Are you talking about the habit of watching a movie or the habit that your uh, nervous system is kind of resonating getting into that movie as if it's a real-life phenomenon?
0: I just feel like the now... and. It might be different for everyone, but for me, I feel as though watching a movie is is almost like a distraction from life. It's it's sometimes it's an intentional one, but sometimes it's an unconscious one. And, and i I think looking like reflecting back, I've but there's also beautiful things about it as well. There's positives and negatives to watching a movie, for example. Um, there's lessons to be learned within movies, and there's Maybe sometimes it's nice to be in that in that fairyland state um, for a moment because it might be useful that part of the part of our life. Or, um, but I think I am referring to the habit of watching a movie without consciously being aware that it might not be having the best effect on my psyche, mm-hmm. and it being normalized in you know society. It just seems to be all these little distractions from that take us away from ourselves. I don't know if even that's the right way of putting it. Take us away from the state of being in a pure sense. Mm-hmm. It seems like so many things are distractions in every direction. And then, hmm.
1: why is it to actually look at the general idea? Distraction, rather than movies. I'd say so for several reasons that actually a whole life is a movie. Really, I'm sitting watching my neighbour getting a bigger machine to come and pick up the hole because he's got a leaf outside his septic tank, whatever. So it's actually I'm just I'm just watching a movie.
0: That you're aware that you're doing it. You're not lost in it. That that's the
1: question of the whole life whether I'm watching something on the screen or whether I'm watching something outside of my window, um, am I aware that I'm doing it when I'm, I'm in a car and I'm driving? How much of the journey from the moment I switched on the engine I started my car and arrived at the destination, how much of that journey was I aware of? Mm. If I asked, how many uh, green traffic lights did you pass?
0: Sometimes I arrive and I don't even, it's like, how did I get here? I don't remember the last 20 minutes or so, yeah so
1: that there's several things happening here this is this is you know multi-dimensional phenomena going on here There's forgetfulness. forget this there's limited focus that we have so there's so much else going on around not even aware of. and um there's distraction i go to the shopping mall and i have the intention to go and buy a certain item uh and that could take me 30 minutes go to the shop buy the item get out oh but actually, three hours later, I'm still there, wandering around, looking at this shop window, looking at that shop, buying things that I don't need, um, spending money at the little casino. Um, Oh, maybe I even go to the cinema, because now in the shopping mall, even the cinema's there as well. So get in, go and watch. And I'm coming out of there. So many hours later, emptied my pockets of the money and, and don't know where the time has passed, bought items that I don't need. <clears throat> How much of any of that was I conscious of? And maybe I didn't even remember the original item they went in to buy, and I ended up talking to friends, and I got phone calls, and I was doing SMS messages, and just everything around is actually calling me to be distracted. And there's something within my nature that hooks into that. I, I'm taking the bait. Don't, don't don't blame the shopping mall. You know, I'm, I'm the fish, here and I'm I'm the one who's get, getting onto the hook. So. I need to acknowledge
0: that. It, the, could I pause you for a moment? There seems to be a sense of um, you take the hook once, and then it's easier to take it the second time. It's almost like this—it's um, like exponential growth in that direction, and, and it's like the tiny, the tiniest steps matter. If that makes sense, um, like these tiny little movements or decisions.
1: Growth. Well, it's a lot of little things accumulating it's also the fact that the first time is very exciting first time anything first time you take a drug first time you have sex the first time you kiss somebody the first time you take that coffee or take that whiskey or whatever and oh yeah what but then you're chasing that all your life chasing that unique experience and it doesn't come and that's what some people just have the addiction of falling in love for example because actually you're looking for that first time experience to fall in love again, fall in love again. Because if you fall in love and you're married, it's just like, oh, okay, this is a different momentum on here. This is not the same high that I got when I first time we fell in love. So people are chasing this thing, yeah? Um, so we're chasing that high. Now, there's a the little steps, as you said, that the the forces behind the substance or the, the the object or the item that we're hooking into is also penetrating deeper and deeper into my psyche, deeper under my skin. And my habituation is also anchoring in more and more to that item or that shopping habit or that drug habit or whatever it is. So yeah, it's a two way play. You know, if there was not something in me that interrelated with it, it wouldn't happen. If it was only me, but the world around me didn't entertain and cater to that, it also wouldn't happen. So it's a combination of what's happening in me and what's happening around me. May I say one thing I train myself also in this habit of not making any of it wrong.
0: Not sorry? Not making any of this wrong. It's all a necessary part for wherever you are at that time.
1: It's part of the deal if you incarnate on planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The... It's not right or to... right or good or bad. You're going to have to get in this play. This distraction, this moving out of self is more or less inevitable and necessary. It's a circuit that I have to make. I am with self. A child is born with, we see it, that innocence, purity, naivety, a natural trust of this environment, a simplicity, and, and we appreciate that. But does the child know it has that? Actually, no, it's just in it, merged in it. And then gradually the child figures out like, oh, what what is it about me that they're so interested in? And then starts to use that to get more sweeties, more attention, or to, you know, and it's, so it's a little bit separate from itself. You know, it's creating this kind of altar which with which it can then maneuver emotionally or in other ways, manipulate this environment for entertainment, for achievement, for more success, to get more hugs or sweeties or attention, whatever it wants to get. And this simply perpetuates and perpetuates, and we move more and more out into the drama, into the game of life. It's called Maya. Time is space. I call it the horizontality of life. Longitude, longitude so when you're
0: when you're on the on the way out of that, when you're leaving that, um, I found it very like it's a big struggle to just try to stop everything at once and just try to cold turkey it. It seems like it it just doesn't work, um, and things creep back in, and it seems mm-hmm. like you maybe you need to take the same approach on the way out, gently, gently, and ease the way out. Is that generally
1: yes? I, I would generally
0: sure uh, Same thing
1: with the habits when you asked about the habits we don't we're not so aware of really you work with the habits you are aware of and what as that clears there's more transparency and it's going to come by itself you like oh, okay now oh my that then another habit comes to light meaning it comes into consciousness oh, okay so this is next and you' and never assume the job is done hmm. the next you work on work on what you're aware of but it can happen. Sometimes we're moving out, we're moving out, and really we can sit like a circle. There's a certain point at which naturally some pretty major events may even happen in the life for, for people that start to turn it around. Sometimes a shock, a wake up call, is a situation that really challenges you to say, oh, okay, it's time to turn this around. And, and then some people get radical about it, but in many, many cases, there's a burnout, people get into suddenly new age, yoga, meditation, or I'm vegan now and I'm this and that. And you see them flying high for a while with it. And then it kind of fizzles out as well. So that's an indication that tells us whoa, whoa, slowly, slowly, this is a long road you're on. And if I did say it, it's a road of lifetimes. You know, to, to achieve in one life, we, we, there's so many, this little subtle, micro, Habits that we have, we don't even
0: so unaware of that
1: they may only surface lifetime.
0: What do you mean by lifetimes? Um, I've got this idea in my mind that every time I hear it referenced in Buddhism and in other kind of traditions, mainly Buddhism for 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 me, I, I kind of I've kind of thought of it as lifetimes within this lifetime because I see even if you look at something like karma, I can see the karma playing out from actions. And it's almost as if if I look at old versions of myself or or the exterior self, I can see that that's changed drastically, you know, even in a matter of years. So it seems as though I've had a thousand lives just from when I was born in this incarnation. But what did, what did you mean by lifetimes? And, and how do you see that just, just to kind of change gears a little bit, I thought I might ask.
1: I acknowledge what you're saying, but um, it's a micro and micro scenario. Everything is played out in one day. Everything is played out in one year. There's a natural cycle. I'm talking about a cycle in a week or a month. But in the cycles of nature, the same phenomena is played out over different time scales. And so in this life, I realize I have a habit, I don't feel like i need to change it. Um, I can't change it yet, but now I'm aware of it. Then I go to therapy or I do some personal development work, I go to workshops, I read about these things and and but I'm more aware of it now. I can see a little bit where it came from, I've psychoanalyzed it, and yet still I'm not fully getting it to change it. Sometimes I can do a little bit, then I then I do another kind of therapy therapy which gives me the tools. To change oh now i have tools i didn't know there were tools then i'm applying the tools sometimes i'm more successful than before but i'm not fully really getting it yet um it's, it's like then yeah i'm gradually moving closer to the point where the habits have had to happen and i could say no not today and i really got to the root of it turned it down and and then it's still in my aura still hanging around in my magnetic field it's still present in my psyche mind my magnetic field and so i then i have a really bad day and it kind of comes to the rescue and it kicks in and it's got me again oh all the work i've done wasn't worth anything No, no, don't panic i just had a bad day just push it back out there because it's still not fully left or second so you have to perpetuate the alternative habits and keep working because you can't only leave the vacuum when i say you need to have it you can't leave the vacuum Otherwise it comes in. That's what's happening on a bad day. You forget to do the good habits. You're feeling depressed. Something's gone wrong in the life. And this is leaving a little bit of old. habit of like a little gremlin sitting on the edge of your aura. It's not yet fully gone out, dissolved in the cosmos. And it just jumps right back in. And can inhabit the whole space like a demon. Kind of thing. So there's a lot of work. But so this. I'm not gonna look after just acknowledging that. Now I'll come back to lifetimes. So this, this same thing is going on over many lives, literally meaning me as a reincarnated entity, spirit, you may call it, that inhabits this body that I pick up from the earth through the mother, mother earth, and mother body, and I inhabit when the fetus gives the first kick around four months, 120 days, the yogis say, and this is the soul saying yes and coming in because before that happens the viability of the pregnancy is more fragile, the possibility of miscarriage because the soul is not fully acknowledged and the mother is so much like happy with this fact that I'm pregnant and so then comes this kick and the soul is saying I'm on, I'm in, I'm gonna, this is going to happen and then this fetus develops and The breath, the lungs take another three to four months to mature. So that if you have premature birth, unless the breathing, because I'm the, I'm the breather, you know, human being can consciously breathe. I can't tell my dog inhale and exhale and hold the breath and whatever, but only human being can do this. So I'm the breather. And if you have a premature birth before the lungs are enough mature, that feet is such a child that baby has to go on an incubator. It needs something to do, help it do its breathing for it. So, the lungs develop enough, then the birth can happen, and the breather comes in and takes over the breathing. It doesn't need mama to do that anymore. So, this is uh, spirit, inspira, in Italian or Latin, yeah? Bring in the spirit. to, to breathe in literally means inspira, expira, he has expired spirit has left yeah so basically now i wouldn't say this just because the the books say it just because the buddhist texts say it or the sikh uh, tradition says it in their scripture uh, uh, or wherever uh, sources i am open enough to speak about it and i don't want to go into my personal examples but i have a very clear um, experiences and, and awakenings into that past night recall, out of body experience, looking down on my body, memory of a previous funeral, being um, in battles, and, and so on. So, to me, there, there's—I don't need evidence. I don't need some theory about that. It's just I feel it. I know it. I am a reincarnating entity. I've been here before, and I may be here again. And so this cause and effect has a, a chain to it that goes way, way beyond this life. In, in therapy, there's a tendency to look back into our childhood for causes. Spiritual wisdom dares to look further back than that. So you know, this is not just about how your mama and papa may have treated you when you got bullied in school, not, but uh, not, not denouncing any of that, you know, and, and the power of its impact. But, this goes way way back way 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 back and you've been working on this maybe you don't know how long it may be uh, i was surprised myself a uh, friend of a friend who's a, a psychic um person who spends a lot of her time just talking to spirits and stuff and she's saying you know it can take 400 lifetimes just to cultivate one virtue and i really like yeah this is the it. this is how people are working this has been going on a long, long, long time and may yet go on. So relax, slow down, just take this step, look at your feet. What's next? Not what I should. This is another problem people get into when they get into the spiritual life. I should do that and I should work on that habit. And I should be then, hey, relax, look in front of you. What can you do today? Take care of that. Because if you take care of that, The ability to take care of anything else will become available to you. But if you don't take care of just what's right in front of you now, nothing else is ever going to happen. Keep it simple, step by step, little by little. The big thing, there are bigger moments, you know, that there are events or situations that come come about that do make a radical shift. My father, one day, he was smoking like a, a packet of cigarettes a day. And one morning, I remember, very clearly, he was going to take the cigarette out of his packet and then something happened to him and he threw the whole thing in the fire. Hey, Dad, what's happening here? I'm done with this cigarettes. And in fact, for the next 10 years, I didn't smoke anything. It really just happened. Later in his life, when he got more sitting in his armchair kind of stuff, it took up a pipe and then once a day he would have a pipe. It's a different approach, but it was almost like a meditation in my opinion.
0: Yeah, this, this, this one of the things you mentioned about uh, going into just the, a small thing that comes into your heart or mind and that you just, you know, a small different incremental change in your life. Sometimes it seems that we can be lost you know i know i feel like this i feel lost sometimes and even though i've just recently learned not to be in such a rush and just to kind of relax into things and and realize that you know things are kind of unfolding as they as they may and if i focus on this present moment then the next moment will be a beautiful one and just to kind of relax into it even that's a habit in itself and maybe some sort of a trap but Um, This idea of just feeling like I need to know what's next or even like the way, the feeling as as time passes through me, sometimes it has different flavors. It has different kind of, um, there's a spectrum of feelings and sometimes I don't like what it feels like. It's almost like a signal that days bleed into each other in a way that feels uncomfortable and not, like it just doesn't feel like I'm on, on, on track and I feel a little bit lost in those moments and I think what you shared just then about coming back into a small thing that I can do maybe just sitting for a while and and allowing nothing to happen just allow just kind of be and allow something to arise and I don't know this is kind of what I, what comes to mind let's remember habit is not the problem
1: we are a creature of a habit. And if you try to not have a habit, it's a habit to try to avoid the habit. Yeah. It's something that's
0: right there to try, yeah. So It's almost like moving, like working with it rather than trying to get rid of it and working through whatever you're experiencing.
1: There's a separate thing. There's particular habits that you may be working with, evolving it, upgrading it, deconstructing it. I think
0: I'm talking about the larger habit of... Just, you know, these patterns that you see within your life rather than specific smoking or drinking, but the larger, like, what patterning of the way you work as a person.
1: But life was also cycles, huh?
0: Nature is cycles. So, larger patterns
1: are also just an expression of cycles. If you study anthropology, for example, who as an example of seven year cycles about the souls kind of maturing and evolving through the life in seven years. And some yogic traditions also refer to that um the cycle in your astrology when a planet comes back around, you know and, and you have an astrological chart life has cycles so the idea of cycles and patterns is natural there are patterns in nature there's patterns all over the place so we have to be clear here not to make any of it again wrong or a problem mm that I want to upgrade the quality of my relationship with patterns and with cycles, that I'd like to harmonize my life patterns and cycles with natural life patterns and cycles. Being in nature is a very healthy thing because actually you tune in to the sense of rhythm and cycle. And so that's one thing to say, okay? So let's let's leave that well,
0: What comes them? to mind just just before we continue is this idea of maybe, journaling and capturing kind of instances of ways of thinking and then you know kind of recognizing these patterns or these cycles and so that next time they come around you can harmonize a little bit easier
1: absolutely there'll be many times in life when you're going to have some kind of like oh what did do for? oh this is the same thing like the spiral up the mountain oh, up the mountain and um, some people want to do the fast track and get up the cliff but one in millions maybe do that and many fall if they try to go up too steep so we go around slowly slowly up the mountain of course we end up back oh i'm getting that same view again oh i'm at the same yeah but same but different okay you hear again but is there something different also so looking at that what's same and what's different as you go around in those cycles journaling is a very good practice very good self-reflection you know what you're what you're recording there Just a mirror for yourself. I definitely recommend it. But I want to come to another thing. Michael, who is having these different flavors of time passing
0: through? Yeah, something I thought about yesterday, actually, this idea of not being kind of identified with the actor and just allowing, is that what you mean? Because that's what comes to mind.
1: But who's lost?
0: My, Michael is lost. Is it Michael? Who's Michael Michael's this actor in this in this movie.
1: Is it really? It's a name given,
0: and if you identify with that,
1: okay, you're the actor. But an actor has still got somebody. Let's say so and so, Mr. A or Mrs. A, acts in one movie and becomes the murderess in the movie she acts on the stage in another theater play and she's somebody's daughter but behind the actor actress is always a being you're busy not wanting to identify with michael because you want to be authentic and you recognize michael's just an actor a costume you know a habit is also a costume yeah you know the mother had habit it's interesting yeah your habit is your costume Your habit is your actor. Now, let's say two things here. If we're trying to avoid being the actor and disidentify, you better be in a monastery. doesn't matter whether it's a Christian monastery, Buddhist monastery, Zen monastery. It doesn't matter because you're not going to function
0: in the everyday time and space. Seems like you need to have one foot in both camps, though, at the same time. I agree. But the other camp is a camp in here. Hmm. The monastery is in here. It's not some building, some jungle
1: somewhere. This is the real monastery. On the outside, I'm somebody's father, somebody's husband, I'm somebody's neighbour and brother. That's an issue I'm
0: having at the moment, pretty deeply. This idea of, just, yeah, that exactly what you highlighted, but but having a foot in both camps, like like. Sometimes I dream of being in a monastery, to be honest, but but I am, you know, somebody's son and and somebody's father and. Some all these people's friends and and so on. So, it's 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 kind of like this. There's there's like a friction point there for me in my life.
1: Wait a moment, yeah. Let's go to the being. And maybe you have another term for that. You can Let me know. Who is the one who puts on the costume? Oh, here's my my neighbor? Okay. Hello, neighbor. You put on the Michael costume and you. you do play the play, but I want to know who you make about it. Do you have a sense of that, do you have a name for that, do you have an experience of that, or somehow you have to anchor to that. Because when you don't anchor to that, we, when we don't anchor to that, then we're we're two hands in in the outside, we're two feet in the the world of the shopping mall and the social game, and okay, we see that it's hypocritical, we see that it's again, we see that it's shallow, we want to pull back, we want to go and retreat, we want to go and run it on monastery, we want to just stay here or whatever. But then sooner or later you would find out well this is also a bit selfish and a bit isolating and insulating, and there's something inauthentic about yeah. it also. Yeah. Oh good. back out I go in the world. Look at the statues of the Buddha. Often you'll see left hand is in the central line. Whether it's cup in the lap or this mudra here, the Gan mudra at the heart, and the left hand is a gesture to the world. Whether it's holding some light to the world, whether it's a peace on you gesture, whatever. Left hand is to the heart to the center. This is the monastery and the right hand, isn't it? The most common, some people are left-handed, but the most common is, hello everybody. shake hands. Right hand is the right hand that we engage in the world. And left hand, they don't have to be in conflict, back to back to each other. They can be interrelated. That the being in the monastery is communicating through the actor, and the actor is acknowledging the being.
0: I just feel like the the monastery is a great place to almost stabilize or solidify this breaking of habits, or at least like you know, it seems like a a, a nice way to. Cement something, even yeah, that's that's the what kind of comes to mind. Um, but I see what you're saying, I definitely see like you need to be um, both, or not need, but being both is where it's at.
1: It's a level of maturing. I, I feel we've done lifetimes of you know, in the old days in Europe, um, family would have want to have three sons, they say it's an old saying, I think, in Portuguese one for the marketplace, uh, one for the military, and one for the monastery, like that. One does your prayers for you, one does business, and one goes to war to defend the country, whatever. And we've spent lifetimes doing that, experiencing the monastic life, going out to battle and developing the warrior consciousness, and doing trade in the marketplace of Maya in order to have success and buy goods and exchange and lifetime after lifetime it should occur to us that perhaps we can integrate these but it doesn't have to be one or the other so in this lifetime we learn through these cycles okay i need time out i go to the monastery retreat i do vipassana workshop i do whatever i take my time out then oh back to the world again and it's still a little bit black and white, still a little bit either or. Switch this one on, switch this one off. On. But surely through time, I want to be able to learn that something in me keeps this hand on my heart while I'm out there engaging with the world. And that these two are integrated and related. And that it's not either or, time for this, time for that. But it's fully engaged at all levels. That I'm communicating with you, actor on the stage. Yes, my name is Shivkaran Yes, I'm a teacher. Yes, this is all my big CV. Whatever, whatever. On the other hand, sitting here quietly, saying, "Oh, this is an interesting filter," and that is completely transparent, and that I live it with lightness. I can put all the passion into it, at the same time, it's nothing. And can this, two things happen at the same time? I I'm suggesting to you this is personal michael that you within you is not anchored enough and not stable enough therefore you go into the world oh i've lost oh i need to get back i need my monastery and you have. and the problem is we can hang out in the monastery and feel ah, i'm just in my game but what we're not learning and what they don't teach you necessarily is to crystallize that but it become diamond solid so that when you go out in the world, it doesn't just dissolve again. And therefore there's a cyclic habit pattern of, I need to retreat. I go out in the world. Oh, I need to retreat. Because the anchoring, you figured out Michael's an that That's becoming more and more transparent. You figured that out. This is a great progress. But there's another level of stabilizing the monastic self so that it's constantly vibrating and pulsing in you and holding anchorage of you, that wherever you extend yourself in the world, there's a thread back to you. And that anyway, you can be in the middle of whatever, the the, the central station of the biggest city in the world and just take a moment. and all this noise is nothing. And you can scan the context, scan the environment, and know exactly, right now, where I need to go, where I need to be, who I need to connect with, what's happening, where's my place in all of this, what's my next step? And you (gasps) know, so much stress, so much preoccupation, so much distraction, so much... How the trap happens! Because, look, we go out with two hands, okay, we were taught to do that and the Maya seduced us to do that. Then you start to realize, oh I don't know what's going on, you try to turn it around. And then we go through this yo-yo, retreat in the world, retreat in the world. Sooner or later it must occur to you, you go to anchor, you'll identify, crystal, who's having these different flavors, who is lost. The the fact that you say you're lost tells to me that you don't know the view within you, the monastic being that always was and always shall be. That has passed through the time and the time has passed through you and around you. It's almost you like are...
0: it's almost like at, at moments that's obvious and that's clear, but then at other moments I'm lost. So it's almost like this forgetting, remembering kind of back and forth.
1: All it means is that you forgot. You're not lost at all. You're right here. Yeah. You got distracted. You forgot. You've disanchored yourself. Yeah. You
0: it seems it just seems like in this in, in an urban environment in today's day and age, it's it's and this almost sounds like an excuse, but it's it's like like you said, there's like a, a quality that you develop from being able to sit in that space and, and, and be that that in a monastery you probably wouldn't be able to you know get. Uh, but there's also seems to be something that a monastery offers that this kind of environment doesn't and that's almost like a almost like a baby feeding or, or a, like a um, not that it's easy, but just like a, a more of a gradual instead of just being stuck in this deep end. If that makes sense, um, but there would be a deep end on that side as well, I'm sure.
1: There definitely is. You know, if the monastery is in your own bedroom. Monastery is going to sit in the bathroom.
0: A yeah. Monastery
1: is, yeah. Monastery, take time out, anywhere, anytime. Learn to do that. Find your quiet space. Yeah, and set that have... up
0: wherever you are. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's a very different habit. We talked about habits. Don't make habit wrong. You're a creature of habit. Do you have the habit? To Ryanka. The test of the situation is that ultimately that you can walk through the urban context and no longer lose this. That's the test of it. It's one thing to go in the monastery stabilize. It's another thing to hold it while you walk in the world. And you know what happens then, Michael? You bring impact. Instead of being impacted, you bring impact not saving the world. I'm not talking about, oh, you're yeah, yeah. Shiny. Just am I an influencer or am I influenced? Yeah. For a bit of I can be sensitive to influences. I can learn to defend myself from influences. But that's leaving a vacuum bubble here. Who's in this hole? I develop strength of self inside of this bubble. And then I can break this bubble coming out of the cocoon. And I actually vibrate into my space. And I have impact in my environment. And then the meeting of my environment and me is not under my skin. It's there on the surface. Uh-huh. Okay, this is happening. I meet you here.
0: Yeah, I went I went on a recent retreat to a monastery actually. This is kind of maybe where this comes from, um, or a part of it at least. And I spent some time there and I found that when I came back into this setting, it was like a different it was it was very different. And then gradually over maybe like I don't know, five or six weeks. I could see, I could actually feel, um, like a like a regression. It it was a strange thing in my sense of presence, and and it was just, it was quite disturbing. But it, but I feel like I landed in a place that was, I don't know, I was more present than when I left initially. Um,
1: Know it, know it now. You know that this is what's going on so part of your next challenge is exactly this now how do i stabilize that in the midst of the mind in the midst of the circus you know how do i make this not gradually dissipate itself and have to retreat again to the monastery why don't i every single day of my life do something to reinforce and strengthen now one aspect of our being we can call it the the reinforcing mental uh, uh, Faculty, Okay, let's try it like that. Reinforcing mental faculty. It wants to be visible. It wants to reinforce. So somebody looks and says, Oh, who are you? And go, yeah, I know. I look a bit weird, don't I? So that part of that adds and reinforces that. Like a child, the, the teacher says, You're the bad boy in the class. So sooner or later, you go, Okay, I'm the bad boy. Let me be the bad boy. And you start to just act it out. You're reinforcing faculty simply wants to reinforce, give me anything to reinforce, I'll reinforce it. It's just like that, okay? So, if you will commit it and say, I am a being within the actor and it has substance, it can be diamond-like and it can sustain in all circumstances and contexts, it is uncrushable by any circumstances, it is the essence, center of my very being, and then that reinforcing faculty says, Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um. Hey, what? how can I reinforce that for you?
0: Have, and do you, have cha- you noticed a difference in actually verbalizing things and just speaking them in your mind? So Yes, absolutely. Writing the noun, verbalizing.
1: That's also what I found quite helpful, actually teaching. I don't teach because I've figured something out or I'm yeah. a master of something. Yeah. I teach that teaching and sharing. It, it integrates further and further within me. And so that's why the, the, the tradition that, that I'm part of, we are in the process always We're saying, the student, you have to see, not student, you have to see teacher of tomorrow. Because they're going to grow if they also share and pass on what they're learning with others. And the teaching, don't die out. If the person in front is just a student, when you're gone, teacher's gone, and there's nothing for students, and no teacher. Not there should be just a lineage of one guru, one teacher. Chain, disciple, one guru, not at all. We're all teachers. You're a teacher. Everybody's a teacher. Yeah. Awake, up everybody. So that there's perpetuation of evolution of awakening. So Michael stabilized the being behind under all circumstances. You know that little story? Some student comes to a master. Master is so distracted. Distract, master said, Look, I've got one little thing I want you to do today. Take this spoon. So Take the spoon. And the master pours the water on it and it fills up to the point that you can't put one more drop. He says, Go out today, <clears> today. <throat> but don't lose one drop of water. Okay? And I'll see you in the evening. So he goes around watching the sperm to make sure, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> and he when he arrives, Black Master says, Um, how was your day? What did you say today? I didn't really see anything. I was I was busy trying to not spill the water. Exactly. You were occupied. So you could not be distracted. You have not made this remember I said there's a soft and a warrior side to this consciousness? You you got the soft side of it. But then you, you get lost because you don't have the discipline side. Yeah. The worries. Yeah. Anchor, anchor. Anchor. Because you know the minute you switch on the TV or put on your screen here or switch your telephone on in the morning and get out, step out the door. You know what's going to happen. So have you done your anchoring today? You know that this has to be a proactive, not a passive. Otherwise passive, you're going to have to run back to your retreat. And I support it. It should go Monastery come back, monastery come back. But sooner or later, come on. Isn't this progressing somewhere? Can't you take it to the next step? Are you're stabilizing so that wherever you go, no matter what's around you, you don't take the hook? We do it in so many ways. There's food on the plate. There's a whole buffet in front of you. Oh, have more, have more. No, I never will put on my plate more than I need. And I will never go for a second plate for. It's a habit that I have. A discipline.
0: Have you got any more of those that you could share?
1: That's actually countless. It is interesting now. It's got to come down to micro habits. Not just big habits, but daily micro habits. Don't eat standing up. For just using food as an example. Don't bring your head to the food. That's what animals do. Bring the food to you. Put the spoon on the plate after you've taken it. Sit it down enjoy the, what you eating you know it's just just around one thing like food yeah. um currently i have gone through this, different disciplines of food currently i don't have anything before midday
0: sorry what was that
1: i don't eat anything before midday just an example okay so have something you're working on and and let it be micro let it be I caught myself. Many, many, years ago, how many times I go, um, um, um. It's okay, let me, let me cut that out. And what happens is, silence is in the conversation. Micro, small, instead of, okay, so, um, yeah, and, okay, yeah, no, let that be a, a quiet space. As I was saying, do I even need to say that? How many things that I'm saying that actually I don't need to say? So, with your conversation, food is one thing, conversation is another. Dress, it's right there around you, not some big dramatic thing. Everything around you, your posture, how you sit with your body,
0: where are your hands,
1: what are you doing with them at any time. That's why people have malas to try to, because you know if you don't have a mala, you end up with a pen, twiddling a pen. You twiddle something with your hands, so what do you do twiddling? Then conscious, conscious of the liquid you am And breathing, simple practice. How many times a day did you take a conscious breath? I an hour? know. I'm a conscious breather. I'm the one of all the species of creatures that can consciously breathe. And you know, somebody can live the whole 70 years and live and die and never once consciously take a breath. That's an interesting thought. And it's one of the few things that make us human, that distinguish us from the other creatures and our whole life can pass. Navi, my navel, is anchoring and is moving and breath is expanding and contracting. And when I bring my awareness there, I'm just here, present, simple. And I come back to being. Your nāvi is very interesting. Your navel, actually, is a, one of the ways. If you think of flying a kite, and you have to hold one end of the string, yeah? So the kite doesn't fly off. The kite is this mind, another faculty of mind that says, oh, I could dance so much better if you would let me free. You cut the rope and it'll look good for a while, but it won't be long before it crashes in the tree. And it's going, oh, help, help, pick me up. What happened? Oh, I thought I could handle another drink. You didn't. You fell in the ditch. Yeah, we always want think we can go with a little extra. But when you stay with breath, and the, na- the na'vi, the na'vi, the point, is that where you have the handle on the rope. Similar way of just saying one hand for me, Another hand for the world. So the kite is flying. I'm watching that movie. Here's a little exercise. You watch a movie from beginning to end. But all the way through, you do this breath. Inhale through the small circle like a straw. In and out. You watch the whole movie the minute that movie is over you won't remember a single thing but you will remember the general sense did you learn something from that movie was it a good movie, would you recommend it you'll have that sense it was nothing, I wouldn't know that was okay, co- yeah yeah. it's a good movie, you should watch it what was it about it's good, you should watch
0: it same as the spirit
1: got the essence of it but you didn't get caught in it mm. and you just ha- and if you do that and it's not a work, movie worth watching. Ten minutes in, you're going to switch it off. Either you're going to switch the breath off because you're into the movie. You watch somebody sitting in front of their TV, uh, mouth hanging open, tongue hanging out like a dog. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, say, Hello. Are you conscious? Is anybody there? I, I learned it with my son. When I was watching them playing their video games. And, um, I showed my son. Picture just by chance. I was travelling. I was on the airplane. There was an article about um, the need of braces, and children have their front teeth come out too much, and the mouth can't close properly. And I said to "One of the I showed it from him. One of the reasons this happened is because when children are young, they they're not conscious, and their mouth can not close and the front teeth come out. Really, Dad? Really? I said, Yeah." And sometimes when you're in front of the TV, you're a little bit like that. No. Well, actually, yeah. Would you like not for that to happen? I think I would like it not to happen. Would you mind if I remind you? Yeah, Dad, you can remind me. So I'm just, he's there, and uh, I'm seeing him, and I'm just, I called his name. Son, what? Just remember to breathe through your nose. Oh, thanks, Dad. And then, maybe half an hour later, son, just remember, oh, was I doing it again? Little thing, little, little thing. But he actually, I negotiate, I negotiate, I'm not imposing. Hey, you, son, uh, no, no, do you want? Is it interesting? Yes, it is. Can I help you or not? Do you want to help yourself? Other one, too many sweets RT, come back with a bag of sweeties and eaten half of them before he even gets home and then the evening he's like wild and in the end we talked about it do you notice a difference Some when you come over back yeah i'm a bit out of control okay can we call that the sugar monster and it's not you you know it's what you've taken inside of you okay uh, yeah yeah that kind of makes sense okay would you like that for that not to be happening i would like that not to be happening what can we do? Do you have an idea? I think that I should I should give you the bag. Oh yeah? The you know little cookie bag that you come up. And then one. And then only give me one every day. Are you sure? Because you might you're gonna complain, Dad, Dad, I want another one. No, 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 Dad, please do that. Yeah. After some months of parties with it, he could do it himself. Hey, I'm dad look it's okay, I'm gonna put it on my shelf in my bedroom. Look, Dad, I'm just taking one today. It's a simple thing. Really, if You learn to take command of your own discipline. And the smallest little details, then the bigger details, because and that's also teaching your children how to come together themselves. you have you having a conversation about your habit. Right? And that's why I said, don't put shame and guilt on it. Negotiate. Hey, it. I know you're there, and I know that you started out with some good intention, but we need to go.
0: Just got two more small questions before we wrap things up, (laughs) if that's okay. One's kind of similar. We were talking about micro habits and noticed in a previous interview you mentioned that you used to have this book that it was like your personal little Bible or something and you had all these different, I don't know what you said, bits of information or quotes or you know wisdom that you've picked up and you'd just flip it open at a random page and it would help you out at times. Do you have any other things like that that you may be open to sharing? Any other processes, any other um, little tools in your little kit Um, that have helped you on your path that you've kind of developed that might be really unique or maybe not? Um,
1: Little one and big one. Again, it goes to micro detail. Wake up in the morning and then first thing, I'm breathing. Second thing, celebration. Praise God, being gratitude. Third thing, Put my body in certain positions so I'm already doing yoga and bed kind of thing so stretching and going into different postures so that uh, and anchoring grounding down to the Nadi getting spirit back in the body so I I can go through my entire day you know set the table you know people do that you buy oh, somebody gives you a present of um, I don't know, like special crockery or something like that you know some <laughs> and and you put it in a cupboard and save it for party why why are you saving it for party why not every day is a party use it bring it out bring out your best every day whatever you want bring it in quality because it's another thing that the the habit is a substitute for quality in life quantity versus quality so look at that uh, I don't need a lot of clothes in my water, but I want quality. I want them tailor-made. I find a good tailor, I make good material, I go to tailor, and I give the design whatever i One of these quality, I pay the money, but I, it's a good quality. It's going to last you many years. So there's it's it's an attitude here as well. You know, you can have a lot of little habits, but they can easily creep into semi-conscious domain and become subconscious, because there's not the attitude behind it. So that moving from just the action of what you do, is what's the attitude behind as well. Because if you have the attitude, you yourself are going to examine, scan, take an audit of your entire life, pictures on your wall. Why are these pictures here? They're not just any picture picked up in a marketplace, not even a picture that's gifted to them. They're quite nice. If I don't want somebody gives me a gift, all right. Myself and my wife our habit is that if it's not something that we're going to use, we want to move it on. We don't want to sit it in a box because somebody gave it to us. You can't give it away. We put it in and we look for the opportunity. Who are we going to give this to? Who we're we going to pass it on? It should be on his wall, not mine. I don't need to put it there just to show my neighbor look, Your picture, yeah, this kind of thing. Uh, givingness, giving, giving, very important. Where are you giving in life? This is a very, really important habit to develop. Whether it's giving a little coin to a beggar on the street, whether it's a charity that you support, uh, giving not because it's somebody's birthday. Never go and visit a friend's house empty hand, Bring something. Whether it's something for the table, a flower that you picked up on the road on the way, don't go empty hand. Um, this is but this is an attitude you know it's not just a habit you know there's a little example yeah that um the the, the wife says uh, to the husband oh you never bring me flowers Aha. I said, oh she wants flowers so every friday after the office comes in with flowers but for a while not, I was thinking, and then one day, he brings a flower. She grabs a bunch of flowers and starts beating with it. What's going to What are you doing? You're just doing this out of the habit now. You don't mean this. You're not, you're not making a gesture. Okay. You're just trying to keep them quiet. Cause I said you never bring the flowers. You see how quickly the habit becomes automatic and there's no consciousness anymore. Why I do one. So, you can't just think of the habit, you have to think of the attitude behind it. How do you keep that alive? That's a big challenge, actually. How do you keep it? And so, sometimes you have to have habits like I gave the example of shower. It's not necessarily a pleasing habit. You do feel good afterwards, but stepping into it is not always fun. So, I, and this is not something I'm recommending to anybody, I personally wear a turban. As part of the, my life as a Sikh, um, it has many factors to it because it takes time and trouble to get the material. It's not just a little hat you can put on and off. It's not one of those starched ones that some, you see some Sikhs wearing, the little black starched office hat kind of thing they put on and off. Um, not rolling my beard up into a little thing, I never have to comb it or take care of it, but actually keeping it loose. So, I have to be conscious of how I eat. You know, so literally, a, a nephew of mine was in front of me the other day, and we're having soup for dinner. And says, "Shit, um, uncle, help me here because because uh, he has a little bit of a beard." And said, "How do you not get your beard in my mess?" I'm through like five tissues in a row every meal. Oh, what do you do? They're very simple. You make sure that you, when you eat, you, can, you have this gesture when you take your spoon. Do you go on the side of the plate and, and, and make sure the underneath of the spoon is clean? And, oh, okay. And you do it. And so I'm doing it like this at an angle. And I could see the soup going underneath the spoon. I said, no, no, you have to keep it horizontal. And then when you take it to your mouth, do you maintain that horizontality? Or does it tip? You're already trying to get it in your mouth before it's reached your mouth. Because you're eating like an animal, not like a human. It seems like obsessive, you set this habit up, so that you know even if I end up with dementia when I'm 85 or something, that you see me eating, you'll still see me with this spoon protocol and come into my mouth and it won't spill a single drop. Because when you have these habits, these habits work for you even when you're not present enough to take care of yourself. And that's why habits are important not to make habit wrong. But to cultivate habits that supposing this habit took over your life it will honor you till your last breath habit of everything the way you dress the way you speak the way you think the way you breathe, the way you move the way you connect with your body the way you take care of your body yeah? micro detail not obsessing every day but setting it up you've got years and years ahead of you set up some little details that i didn't think about until they told me that Twenty five years ago I figured out how to eat soup. It's not that every day I would check my spoon, isn't it? It's not that would be obsessive. for. But you recognize it, you take care of it, a little detail, and it's done. And it will carry you through your days. And you can do that with so many little things. Just take care of it, sort it out, let it be. on a major scale taking the idea of the bible holy book idea and i do recommend it as a practice for people write your own bible an expression that comes from yoga uh the the word yoga actually comes from yoke like when you take the horse and you yoke it to the cart and it says anchorage and and it became a whole technology of different practices, exercises, whatever, but but the meaning is yoke, and it was referring to our mind, our thinking construct, yoke, your mind, to something beyond itself, because when the mind is, it's our master, it's actually like a monster, it's a creature, of habit, and it just lives like animal and when humans live like animals, we live worse than animals, because we have a faculty. We're not engaging, like the breath, the breather. We're not engaging the breather. So when we diminish that, we don't just regress to a simple, healthy, natural, distinctive animalistic. You know, the cat knows when it's eaten enough. The human doesn't. How can that happen? Okay? So that's what we mean. Huh? When we say, when well, we live as animal, so we need to cultivate my human being and not let it go to default yoke this mind to something higher than the self. At a certain point, and I'm not saying everybody should do, so this is a, a bigger kind of thing rather than this daily micro habit approach, I acknowledge this, that my mind is constantly in distraction, that my constantly wants to pull it, that my own mind plays its own games now, it's internalized, all that stuff from childhood, etc. So habit I have is, I go to my spiritual reference, and that could be the sutras of Buddha, and it could be the Bible, or the Quran, and it could some of the Sikhs, it could be some other, the Bhagavad Gita, some other, but we can't, if we fish around, it's still the mind playing games. And You shopping I enjoy the Bhagavad Gita, I enjoy Sufi stories, I enjoy Buddhism, I've studied it deeply, I, I, I enjoy all these, things. but there's one where I rest my head rest my mind i train to think like my guru thinks so think as good and thinks as
0: i put my mind
1: there if i have any doubts or questions my reference will be
0: my guru Could i pause you for one moment yeah i'm hard i'm finding this one difficult to get around because i can it, it seems like one doesn't have all the answers and it, and it seems as though I kind of been looking at even you as an example, like teachers from afar and all these different kind of wisdom that that sinks in and I'm able to absorb from from different sources and and, and teachings and it seems like just sticking to one I find I find difficulty in that, and even it's finding like, one that's worthy of sticking to like that, I mean not that they all wouldn't be you know what i mean like the right
1: fit
0: i asked myself
1: shall i share this or not exactly i said this is a big one now let me say it in several ways it's linked to the being anchor coming into focus potentially in his yoga sutras, it says to, to calm the waves of the mind one its concentration if I concentrate here today, there tomorrow, something else tomorrow, I don't actually go to the deep concentration. I don't come to crystallization. of diamond goes under a lot of pressure till it's so stable that it, it's the diamond can crush everything and cannot be crushed. So if you come to that stabilization of self, while we enjoy many references and many things, as my mind does window shopping, oh today I feel like listening to Buddha, tomorrow I feel like listening to Krishna, tomorrow that, so, still my mind is still the master of everything. So I don't actually have discipline of self. If I want to become oneness of self, not be fragmented of self, but oneness of self, you can take a dot on the wall, but don't go anywhere. Each day, read whatever you want to, listen to any teacher you want to, and go to any workshop you want, but every day, sit in front of the dot focus, not change the focus, that's your focus, and you will come into focus. You, real you, the you that was, is and shall be, the you that's fragmented into the you that gets lost. Why are you lost? You're fragmented. A party who's worried about your mother, she's in the hospital, a party who's busy with something else, something else, you're fragmented, and then you realize you're lost again. Then you go to your monastery, you regroup. You stop your occupation, your preoccupation, your worries, your distractions, and you come back and you come back and you come back. And then you hold for a while and out you go again, and then gradually, gradually, over the weeks, you're out there again. So you do not have anchorage. Buddha said it, it's not coming from one tradition only, the need of spiritual anchorage. Anchorage. This is not saying I don't believe the Bhagavad Gita, I don't read the Qur'an, I don't listen to it. It's all very interesting and I learn a lot from all of it. But there's one place I discuss it, I analyze it, I question it, I explore it, I dispute it. I'll even quote it. I'll quote Jesus, I'll quote it, but there's one that I go to where I say I have no questions. You are my guiding whole star, my north star through which I will navigate through the time and space in this lifetime. And I take that one. If I can't follow this star today, that star tomorrow, here is a ship lost in the ocean. And that's what we are. And a lot of people in the spiritual marketplace, I'm sorry to have to say it, but the spiritual marketplace is not much different from the shopping mall. A lot of people, oh, come here, come here, buy this. People chasing around, running around, follow one star today, another pop star tomorrow, another movie star here, another spiritual star there. There's a window shopping, all of it. Grab sensationalism, have a gong bath here, have a pyramid healing there, have it all. But fundamentally, you're still lost. You don't know who you are, who's shopping around, who's having all those sensationalisms. And you didn't find you. think
0: you it seems you. like another trap coming back to where we began.
1: Uh-huh. Totally. So that's the paradox. I trap myself with my guru to be free of all traps. I anchor myself that nothing else will anchor me. Oh, that's I hook interesting, me. yeah. Nothing will hook me because I'm a creature of a habit anyway. I'm a creature gets hooked anyway. I'm in a world of traps anyway. If I don't anchor to this, I'll anchor to that. If I don't hold on to my cigarette, I'm gonna hold on to my mala. If I don't hold on my mala, I'm gonna hold my girlfriend's hand. I'm gonna hold something a whole but what we do marry today divorce tomorrow this drug today another trip to peru the next week and then this one another one try this herb try that we're running around to everything and nobody and everybody wonders why they don't have stability and why they get lost because nobody anchors so i say no this is the best not at all i'm not selling it to anybody i say for me this is as good as it gets. No different, better, worse than any. I could, it could have been something else, but I say it's as good as it gets. Stop running around. Stop searching. Sit down. Shut up and listen and align myself to this star and see what happens. And I'm navigating through the light so far. So good. It's not disputing. I'm not. Competing with anybody, I'm not putting down anybody's teaching, practice, dharma, whatever. I'm simply highlighting the dynamic, the, the, the technology of anchorage. If I want to anchor me, here's the power I need to anchor there to anchor to me. I step, that's my red dot point. I choose one point as I will sit here. Then, yes, enjoy the view. Enjoy the movie, Buddha movie, Krishna movie, Shaman movie, all the movies around. But as I said, come party. No, because I've got one hand tied here. And this hand can only reach so far. I can turn a page, I can listen, I can shake a hand, I can exchange a little bit But if you say, come join, no. Because this hand, my monastery, is with my reference and I will not believe it. And it's incredible the strength of self that comes from that discipline. The simple thing that people are lacking is discipline. Whether it's discipline around food, around your dress, around your posture, around your breathing, around your thinking, around your communication with other people, around how you decorate your house, God, discipline to just spend time in it, discipline. Now if your discipline means you have a disciple. You are a disciple. See the root of the word is discipline. My mind as a disciple of the alignment. I think like my Buddha thinks. What is a Christian? If you go into some situation arises, right, you say, how Christ reveal right him? What does a Christian thought of that mom? Christ says, forgive them. Hello, where's your forgiveness? Show me the Christians who forgive. They're few and far between. What is a Buddhist? Compassion to all. I'm sorry to say I was in Sri Lanka, where, you know they had this war with the Tamils, and I i never saw such angry Buddhists in my life. So I went to, went to the temple, and I had my children. I'm Sorry, sir, so you can't come in with um, hat. The temple. What's well, your time? Go ahead, come, it, come. I said, look, you got two statues outside the door of the temple with Buddha. And he has head cover. So, what's the problem? I said, Oh, only Buddha. And this is your problem. You're not allowing yourself that you can be Buddha too. Only Buddha. Now, you, me, her, him, it's not a reference. You're not anchored. You say you're a Buddhist because you're born and this country. But then you deny yourself. Christ says, kingdom of God is inside. But anybody who goes in a church says, I find God in me. I am of the divine. Bless me. You can't say that. And they teach you in the church to sing this little song. This little light of mine. I'm but you go in the church, start shining. God has spoken to me and I'm shining bright, Light of God. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. What's going on here? Spiritual circus. Christians should be Christ-like. Buddha should be as Buddha was. Buddha didn't spend his whole life in a monastery, he got married, that's John. He lived a life after sitting under his tree, he realized, can I keep my tree, my spine, while living in the life, because otherwise this is not authentic. I'll hold on to buddha nature but if buddha is not your anchor you can go and enjoy the monastery for a while but you're not going to hold on to it because you have not committed yourself my northern star is buddha and in every circumstances as i go about my life i will cultivate buddha nature why they say you me buddha on the road kill him that means become that if you're not buddha there's no buddha if you're not christ-like there's no christ It's a whole other dimension of aligning, I think. I know, you can know it, you can uh, delete it out of this interview. I don't mind, because I'm not trying to solve it. I'm just understand the dynamic behind it. We're missing so much.
0: Not going to delete anything. <laughs> I appreciate everything that you shared today. Um, I had one more question, but I'm kind of going to save it and hope that we have another encounter. At some point in the future, and I know we're quite over time, um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to say thank you, and it's been great. Yeah, it's been really nice. It's been really, really nice. My
1: honour to serve, maybe
0: Thank you for tuning into this conversation today. I'm going to leave links to Shiv Charan Singh's work and how you can connect and get in touch if you feel called to do so. Also, if you'd like to deepen your connection with the show, if you're finding some value in these conversations and you want to take things to the next level, then please consider joining the Today Dreamer family, the Today Dreamer tribe, by supporting the show, supporting the mindful media vibes that I'm radiating out every week and keeping this show alive, keeping this intention alive, uh, you can do so by pledging a small amount via patreon.com forward slash todaydreamer and for all family, tribe, members of the show, there'll be special exclusive perks made available including exclusive content like podcasts and videos. Uh, There's also guided meditations that have been recorded especially for you and for certain amounts of pledges, I'm also creating custom artwork and music to send out to my supporters to show my appreciation for your support. So if you'd like to deepen the connection, please jump onto patreon.com forward slash todaydreamer and have a sus, have an explore around that space. Also todaydreamer.com is the hub of the show. And there's plenty to see and do over there if you've got a spare moment while surfing the interwebs. Thank you so much for tuning into the channel and the show. And I will catch you in the next episode where we will further look to you know, develop and cultivate our practice of presence through exploring different perspectives of people that are also doing the same thing. Be well.